So I read to you from verse 7, Luke chapter 2. And just that seventh verse. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There was no room for them in the inn. Have you ever spent some quality time and some significant time in thinking about how God decided that he would introduce himself to the world? How this all played out in the heavenlies. How the mighty, omnipotent, all-powerful God who could call 10,000 angels chose to introduce himself by becoming a baby, a child in a manger. And that child would grow up until the moment of the cross, when in his early 30s, this little baby, who grew up in the nurture and the admonition of the Scripture and of the Lord, the Word had become flesh, and through this sin-sick world, everything was done as a result of a child. A little baby. Rejected from before birth. No room at the end. Rejected in his early teenage years. And all through his adult life, even to his death on the cross. But God chose that he would reveal himself by becoming flesh flesh and blood, that that would be the best way to do it, that he would not become a great star or another planet or some other way that sharp minds might figure out, but that what he would do, he would come to this world as an innocent and seemingly helpless little baby. Have you noticed when babies come, they're not great help around the house. They don't come in helping their friends. They don't come in helping anybody. They just come in crying and sleeping and eating and crying and sleeping and eating and a giggle every once in a while, but most times crying and sleeping and eating. How in the world can God introduce himself to a world that needed to be changed by a little helpless flesh and blood, a baby? A precious baby, yes, but a baby. No strong strength, no great wisdom at that point in time, but yet in the providential will of God, God said, I am going to become a little child. And Jesus experienced 
life from a baby to a cross. Now, let me tell you what happened during that time. During that time, Jesus experienced and was surrounded by every sin, tempted at all points as we were. Yet, this little baby was without sin. This little baby was not selfish, not as a baby and not as a 30-year-old. He, he was so special, so different. And again, Hebrews 4.12, he was in all points tempted as we are, yet was without sin. That child made Christian special, Christmas special. And our children today need to make Christmas special. And they can make Christmas special. They can glorify God as a little child. They can teach us as a little child, both bad and good. They just have a way to attract us to them. And so we look at the scripture and say, how can we learn more about God by looking at children? How can you put these two together? A manger to King of kings and Lord of lords. How in the world could that happen? How could that be the way of salvation? Today, I suspect from the eyes of God, too many of us are overconfident as to really how salvation came into this world and how we become saved. We can argue our theology until the sun goes down and comes up the next morning. We can argue, well, how can a person be saved? How, how does that happen? Does God just choose a person and say, you're going to be saved, 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 but you're not, and you're not, and you're not, and you're not, and you're not. Is that the way? Or is it this, those that decide, I just want to get saved? No, I don't believe in Jesus, but I want to go to heaven. No, I don't believe I need to repent and walk with God, but I sure want to go to heaven. And I sure want God to give me all those blessings he's got stored up. I'd sure like to have a bunch of them. And we get so far out there in thinking in the flesh, we forget the Christmas story as it's lived out today as we look at the innocence of a little child. We like to argue about the details. But sometimes we forget the person. We forget even the scriptural teaching about salvation. How does it come? What was it that God decided, and why did he decide what he decided? A little baby. We, if, and if, if we think that uh, we understand our salvation, our faith is going to become weak. Got to warn you about something? 
about the time you think you've got all the details figured out as to the way God thinks and why God does what he does, you're going to have the tendency to close your Bible and say, I'm ready for the next argument and not read the next chapter and the next chapter and the next book and read it all until you just have that craving hunger. You know, one thing about babies, they do eat often. I remember those days and those bottle warmers and all of that kind of stuff. Three meals a day? No. No. Uh-uh. And you know what? When you're a baby and a child of God, you hunger and thirst for the Word of God. You hunger and thirst for righteousness. Just going to church on Easter and Christmas and Mother's Day is not enough for you. You literally crave to be fed, to be nurtured. You thirst for righteousness. You hunger for God's Word, just like a little child. And you begin to grow in favor with God and man. Do you remember the story in Mark 10, verses 13 through 16? Let me read it to you quickly. They brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and he said unto them, now listen to this, suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God, listen, as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands on the little children, and he blessed them. Now, don't misinterpret the scripture. He's not saying you got to get saved before you're six years old. But you have to have the faith of a six-year-old. A faith that Santa Claus isn't going to pass them by. A faith that if they jump off into daddy's arms, he's going to catch them. That dad's going to do what he said he would do. And that faith that's in a little child has to be in the heart of an adult that wants to come to know God. I'm sorry to all of you that have your PhDs. That's not going to help you one iota to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And most will die in their sin because they cannot figure it out up here and because they know their IQ is the top of the class and those poor little innocent people walking around there that are so ignorant and don't know what I know, look at them. They're following Jesus. They're just like a bunch of kids just running into trouble. No, that's what it takes. Except you come as a little child, you will in no wise enter the kingdom of God. Now, remember the story? What brought the wise men? What brought the shepherds? What brought the star? Was some grandiose Bible teacher come? Was there some grandiose actor or, or, or successful business person or a sports figure? What brought all those people out in the middle of the night to that little manger? It was a little baby. No, they did not come to see Mary, and they did not come to see Joseph. They came to see the baby. His name was Jesus. He was the one that, draws, that drew those people on that night to that manger. And he is the one that will draw people today into his arms. 
the faith of a little child. I hope that you've gotten, not gotten so old that you're not around children every once in a while. I hope you didn't check out at about 30 and say, no more of that. Don't ask me to work for the children. Uh-uh, I had enough of that when I was 30, 40, whatever. Well, let me tell you some things about children that I've discovered. I think you have too. Number, number one is they want to be noticed. They want to be noticed. Even if they have to be bad to be noticed, they had, you know, they'd rather if not be good and be ignored than be bad and get attention. They don't really like the attention that some of them get, but anyway, they want to be noticed. Um, God wants to be noticed. One of the saddest things in the life of God is just don't ignore me. You can love me or hate me, but don't ignore me. Don't, don't go around and never think about me. You can think about me and say, there's the reason I don't like you, God, or you can look at me and you can be born again and you can take up your cross and follow me and I will never withhold any good thing if you'll just walk with me. But it's your choice. Children want to be heard, right? Oh, yes, they do. Mm-hmm. Somebody say, I don't know. They do. They want to be heard. You know what? <clears throat> God's children want a God that will hear their prayers. You're going to see this afternoon, I, trust me, you're going to see the most unbelievable thing you've ever seen a five-year-old. God loves to hear his kids pray. And you don't have to use all the religious words. You can just say, God, help. God, I love you. And that's all it takes. And it catches the heart of God. Children want to be comforted. God, as a child, wants to hear. As the baby Jesus wants to be recognized. We must understand that children want to be comforted. And God is a God of all comfort. And we need to comfort him and assure him that though we've fallen, we're going to continue to try to walk in obedience to his command. Children, are they are uh, curious for knowledge. Children are full of energy. Children are hungry and thirsty. And yes, children need rest. But when we begin to think about the little baby Jesus... And how when we're born again, we're little baby Christians, we begin to realize how God puts things together. When you're God's child, like an earthly child, you, you hunger for relationships, a kid to play with, a mom or dad to hold them, a teacher to teach them. But the relationships that children will build with their friends with their school teacher, with their church leader. Those things are so special as children are looking for relationships of a mother, a father, friends, pets, even stuffed animals, and my granddaughter, a blanket. Our precious Maris had her blankie I have never seen anything, every, anything that ever looked like that blanket after 10 or 12 years. But it was a relationship 
It's okay. Little children want a relationship with God. Little kids want a relationship with something. If nobody talked to me, I hug a blanket. If, if nobody had talked to me, I'll get in the closet, shut the door, and when the door is shut, I'll have a relationship with God. That's what children do. God wants his kid to run up, get in his lap, and say, I love you, Father. I love you. I love you so much. And you know what? We today are still drawn to little children. There's nothing that touches my heart like a little child. I'm thrilled when I see them baptized. I'm, I'm thrilled when I see them just hugging on to their mother and their daddy or hiding behind their daddy or whatever they do. They're all one of a kind, but they are special. Oh, how special they are. You remember that passage in Luke went on in that 15th, 18th verse. It said, it came to pass that the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, let us now go into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass and which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told of them concerning this child. And all that heard it wondered at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. You know what? It's hard to tell the, Christian, the Christmas story and people really believe it because it does take a lot of faith. But that's the story. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God has just said to all of us, come to me as a little child. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. How many times have you seen a little child tired, worn out, and just hold their arms out and you pick them up and they just kind of all of a sudden just relax. Now I can go to sleep. I'm safe in my mother's arms. I'm safe in my father's arms. The one that loves me is holding me. And my dear friend, when you walk with God, it's so good to know that when all your strength is gone and all your nutrients are gone, all of your things that you would do to give you strength, that when you come to God, he will lift you up as a little child and bring you unto himself. We visit the hospitals to see babies. I used to do that all the time. When my children were being born, I can remember running down and looking in, in the glass. Back when, when Sean was born, our oldest, you couldn't touch him if you were the daddy for five days. And he was born over in Bayshore Hospital, and all I could do is just point at him and talk about how pretty he was because his skin was a different color. The reason was he had a problem. I thought that was special that he was in the excelled group, but he was struggling because he almost died. And some of you were there that Sunday morning when the umbilical cord got around his, his neck. But that little baby was special to us, and that little baby was special to God. And those people would walk by and look at babies because they are special. Little children of God are special. It thrills me to death when, when a man just said, I just want you to know, I went over there, that place changed my life. I just like to tell people, one day I met Jesus and he changed my life. 
And that's what I want for you. They visited Mary, uh, Joseph. Let me ask you a question, you theologians. When they left, who were they talking about? They said, hey, guess what? I met Mary. Hey, guess what? I met Joseph. You know, he's a big shot in town. You know, I met Joseph. I don't see anything where they talked about either one of them. They talked about the baby. Why don't we do the same? We go around, we say, well, I want to tell you about my church, tell about the people who go to our church. I want to tell you about this. Let's tell them about Jesus. Let's tell them about the baby. Let's, t- let's tell them about who he is and how from a little baby he was king of kings and lord of lords and was nailed to a cross on a Friday, but on Sunday morning he came up out of that grave and 40 days later came back and then said, now I'm going away and I'm coming again. And everything has been fulfilled except Jesus is coming again. It may be our last Christmas. He may come. The stage is set. He may, he may come at any time. But the 17th verse said, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. The child. The child. A little child shall leave. I love to be around brand new Christians because their faith is so strong. They just believe God can do anything because God can do anything. And they just always handle it that way. But don't forget, relationships will last you a lot longer than your stuff. Christmas is to build relationships, not accumulate stuff. I've already got my special gift from my kids. They gave me a new gun. It came from Bass Pro. It shoots salt and kills flies up to 30 feet. I am so proud of my new toy. I cannot wait to eliminate the world of flies. <laughs> and it's good on mosquitoes. I read the directions. So just be confident. As long as the salt holds out, you will we'll cut down on the bills of spraying the mosquitoes in town. I'm taking them out. <laughs> and probably about four weeks after using it, it probably won't shoot anymore. But that's all right. That's all right. But I know this, that God lasts for an eternity. He never wears out. Our relationship, our relationship. It's tough some days in this life. It's wonderful some days in this life. But that relationship is going to move from this life into the next life. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's what it's all about. So, I want you to think about this. I'm summing it up. The world needed a message. The world needed to know the divine plan of the Creator. And so in order that the world could know, God chose a little child and said, that child is going to change the world. You know what? You could change the world too. Not all of it like he did, 
but there's not a person I'm talking to that couldn't make this world a better place if you were more like Jesus. If you would just take up your cross and follow him. If you would use your spiritual gift to follow him. If you would just say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And we're going to walk with him and we're going to talk with him and we're going to know that he's our Lord and Savior and he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And it's an eternal guarantee forever and forever, forever. God chose a child, a newborn child. And then the scripture says in John 3, 17 to us, you must be born again. You have to be born again. As God became flesh, you and I, in order to be believers in Jesus Christ, have to be born again. We die to self so that we can live for God. You must and I must leave my desires, die to myself, and live for God. When I was a little child, I've told this church this many, many times, but I remember as plain as if it were yesterday, the first time I was ever asked the question, what are you going to do when you grow up? And it was asked by Paul Bosch that used to lead to wrestling in Houston. I was a little boy and I loved to watch wrestling. I thought it was real. <laughs> and he asked me one time from the Sam Houston Coliseum on live television, black and white TV, he said, when you grow up, what are you going to be? And my answer was, whatever God wants me to be and whatever God wants me to do with my life. That's probably the smartest thing I ever did. And I'm glad I did it as a child because it's affected every day since and it'll affect every day in the future. And it will for you too. The moment you decide to follow Jesus, your whole life is going to change and you're going to start going down the right road and quit so many detours. I mean, there's so much construction in Houston now, I can't get anywhere. But there's a whole lot more barricades going to heaven, it seems like, than there is getting to downtown Houston. But we're not going to rebuild it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and there isn't coming by anybody else. God chose a little baby. So when you know the baby, you know God. Does that make sense? If you know the baby and who the baby is, you know God. And when you look at a born-again man, you know Jesus. When you look at baby Jesus, you know God. When you look at a born-again man, you know Jesus as he is. So we are to be if we're born again. We're to take on his life, do it his way, on his timing, with his enthusiasm, and with his security, that our God will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. That's where we're headed in life. And John 1.18 says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is the bosom of the Father, he, Jesus, has declared him. We have not seen God the Father, but we have seen Jesus. And that Jesus is the one that we are to follow. That little baby 
that child that knew no sin, the Bible says, and went about doing good and died on the cross, that God becomes real in our life. And let me tell you something else in case you feel left out. Jesus is not for some of us. He's for all of us. He says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God died, uh, God, Jesus died in order that the world might know him. As we take up our Christmas offering right now for missions, to go to the countries all over the world, there's hundreds of thousands of people whose very souls stand in the way or of them ever coming to know the Lord unless they hear the gospel. They've never heard the gospel. They've seen the evidence, but they need to hear about Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 21 says, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us as an example that you, me, should follow his steps. That's our goal. That's our call. That's what we're supposed to do. Just follow him. Where are we going? Just follow me. Well, what are we going to do? Just follow me. Well, how are we going to pay for it? Just trust me. All you do is forsake the here and now, the stuff. Our streets will look like a second small Harvey as you drive down the road and see the garbage in the next few days. But you know something? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He'll never change. He will never, ever, ever change. Baby Jesus. You think power is in babies? Baby Jesus destroyed the devil. All power is given to him. And through the Holy Spirit, that power comes to us. And our job is to use the Christmas season to get out the Christmas message that Jesus is the reason for the season. And nothing else is the reason, number one. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You notice who Herod tried to kill? The baby. That's the king. Why do you want to kill the baby? Why does, why does people in government want to kill the baby now? Why do people want to kill their own children now? Why? Because that child may interfere in their life. And they don't want anything that might interfere with what they want to do with their life. And so we abort millions of children. And we find a world that's crumbling because our focus is upon the things of this world. That song, things on earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. All of us, all of us need to take very, very seriously the killing of innocent children. We better never, ever forsake that. Not a political issue, my friend. It's a biblical issue. Our children are a heritage to God. They tried to kill Jesus, but the Father protected him. And God wants us to understand the sinfulness of a child 
by faith, by faith, by faith. Unless you have the faith of a little child, you will in no wise enter the kingdom of God. In 1 John 3, 8, the Bible says, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Who destroyed the works of the devil? The armies? No, the baby Jesus. He is the one. He is the one. It's his birthday we celebrate. It is his life that we rejoice in. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And that Jesus can, can heal the sick. He can raise the dead. And going all the way back over to the book of Isaiah, in the fourth chapter of Luke, he quotes Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those of us that are bruised. That's me. That's you. And this Christmas can be the moment and the time and the season when you experience the greatest Christmas ever. You will never have anything happen into you. The future is be any better. And there's nothing that's happened in your past that is like the moment you meet Jesus. And when you say, not what's under the tree, but who was that on that tree, on that old rugged cross? It was that baby who lived a life without sin and lay himself down and said, I can call 10,000 angels, but I'm going to die because that's what this little baby came to do, was to live and die and fulfill the prophecies of God. No wonder the Hallelujah Chorus continues to ring today. All over the world, they'll be singing from the Messiah, the Hallelujah Chorus. And people will stand, will stand when it is sung. Hundreds of years ago, it was written, King of kings and Lord of lords, forever and ever and ever and ever. That's a little baby. That's a little child. There's no season of the year that is more apropos to teach your children about Jesus. Are you listening to me, young parents? You will never come close to doing anything for your children. I don't care where you send them to college. I don't care who you, what kind of lessons you pay for them to have. There will be nothing that will come anywhere close to your telling your little children while they are young that Jesus loves them and Jesus cares for them and and they are special to God and they're one of a kind and that when they go to sleep at night that God will be there. When people around them are crying because death has come, there will be a peace that passes all understanding because you have taken the time not to train your children in the way of the world but to train your children to walk by faith and not by sight and know that as God's son was special and had a purpose and fulfilled it, they are special and they have a purpose and their purpose is not to follow any flesh and blood. It's to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And if they can just get that, their life will be totally different. Totally different. And so as we go our way for the rest of the day, 
I hope you'll be here for one of these services this afternoon. And I hope you'll remember what I said this morning when you hear those two five-year-olds this afternoon. One pray, one sing, and you understand God has put in the heart of little children a desire to praise him, follow him, and love him. And that's what he wants for us. Same faith, childlike faith.